Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say, among the nations, the Lord reigns. Father, we're here today to worship you, to make it all about you, Father God. Lord, we just cast aside every distractions, every hindrances, all of our worries, all of our tiredness. God, we lay it at your feet, oh God, and we make it about you. We choose today to make our choice, our decision today to worship you, Father, to make it all about you, God. So take all the glory, take all the honor for your name, for your glory to the ends of the earth. God, you are the God who is omnipotent. You're the God who is omnipresent. You are forever praised. You are the God that's never changing. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, we look to you, Father. We give you all glory and all praise and all honor. And God, we come to you, God, with humility. We humble ourselves right now. Who are we to think that, God, that we are any proud to allow our pride to get the best of us, God? For we are nothing in comparison to your holiness and to your glory, O God. Help us to humble ourselves and look to you, Father, for who you are. And we praise you for who you are. Father, you came to this earth, humbled yourself, lived a humble life, born as an infant, showed us what humility truly looked like. So God, with that, how dare we? How dare we enter your presence? How dare we enter your presence without reverence, without giving you proper praise and honor and worship. God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of putting our worries bigger than you, O God. Father, you are greater than all things. For there's nothing that you cannot handle. You handle all things. You know right now the things that are in our hearts, O God. The struggles that we are going through. But help us, God, not to be blinded by temptations, by the lust of this world by the attack of the enemy. For our enemy is too strong, O God. He is the prince of this world. And he is out to destroy and to kill us. A roaring lion, seeking Christians, those who seek your face to devour and to destroy. So God, help us to be alert right now, to know that even in this place is a battleground. Even right now, it's a battle place. God, help us to look to you. Help us to overcome, not by our own strength, but by you, O oh God, for the one who is in us is stronger and greater than the one who is out in the world. So God, we make it all about you. Take all the honor, take all the glory for yourself. And God, as you transition now to the message, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Father God, let it be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Help me to speak with your courage and with your confidence and with humility to give you all the glory and honor that you deserve, that you shall receive, O oh God. We thank you. We love you. We thank you for this time, O oh Lord. We thank you for the space. We pray all these things 
and your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen. All right, let's go right into today's message. The topic, again, is Philippians series, part two. And the title is called, ready? One, two, three. Okay, amen. Let's go in and go to the scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 26. It says this, Paul's chains advance the gospel. Okay, now let's begin. Verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Say, chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they are all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So again, Paul is where? He is under house arrest. He is in prison. And yet he's using his situation right now to advance the gospel. He's living the gospel, even in prison. It's not just himself. In fact, people around him are becoming confident in the Lord. And they are all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Again, the context, again, he is in prison. Let's continue. Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. In the name of Christ, he's still using that as an opportunity to rejoice, to give glory to God. Let's continue reading. Verse 20. I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ, Jesus will abound on account of me. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying even in death, even in life, give glory to Christ, no matter what. So let's take this, this section right here, verse 12 to verse 26. Let's put it all together in understanding what it means to live the gospel at all times. Point number one is this. When life gives you lemons, 
make lemonade. Now, the definition of this is a phrase used to encourage optimism and a positive can-do attitude in the face of adversity or misfortune. Lemons here is suggests sourness or difficulty in life. Making lemonade is turning them into something positive or desirable. And we see right here that Paul, he is in a situation where this might be his end. Or who knows? Who knows what the outcome will be? But he knows right now his present, he is in prison. He is under house arrest. He knows that he is innocent. The only crime that he committed was that he preached Jesus Christ, the gospel. He was living the gospel. That was his punishment. It wasn't like he went and he stole something. He harmed somebody. He murdered somebody. He knew in his heart that he was innocent. But again, the people around him, they arrested him. They put him in prison. He is in a dire situation, in a difficult situation. But he turns the things, the cars that have been given to him, and he turns them into blessing. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. When situations do not go your way, praise God. Look to God and worship. Last Sunday, we spoke about counting the cost. What do we mean by counting the cost? In life, when you become a Christian, you understand before you sign the dotted line, before you say, Jesus, yes, I will follow you, you understand the cost. It's the cost of everything, everything in your life, even in death. Christ, I will follow you. In life, we use obstacles as opportunities. We use them as opportunities in growing stronger. Therefore, when life gives us lemons, we what? We advance the gospel. As Paul says, we advance the gospel by planting seeds to make lemon tree, to make more lemons so that we can make more lemonade. If someone tells you as a Christian everything's going to be easy, then they are lying to you. People, rain, storm, they all fall on the good and the bad. But the only difference as Christians that you and I, the hope that we have is that we are grounded in Christ. That in Christ we have strength. That in Christ we have hope. That in Christ there's nothing to fear because even in death we have eternity. We have hope in Christ. That's the difference. The difference is that we have someone who's constantly with us 24-7, sanctifying us, renewing us. He gave us a heart that is regenerated. Does that mean as Christians that we are not going to fall under temptation? No. Every single human being on this planet undergoes temptation. Temptation is not sin. Sin is when you give into the temptation and you fall in sin. But in Christ, through him, we can overcome the temptation, the attack, the lust of this world. In him, we can overcome. And how do you overcome? You hide God's word in your heart. It says in Psalms. It says, God, I have hidden your word in my heart. You study the word. The word will sanctify you. The word will feed you. Imagine going this week, fasting, and all you're eating is lamian or cupcakes. Can you truly survive and can you do everything that you're doing, especially for those who like to work out? Can we truly perform at our highest when we're just drinking soda? So how do we expect to fight temptation, the attack of the enemy, when we're not reading the word? 
We're not just reading it and hearing it, but we're not just meditating it, but we're putting it into action. Count the cost, no matter what. Paul right here, he's in a situation. Everything around him are lemons. Things are difficult. It just doesn't look good for him. But he's using these obstacles as opportunities to give glory to God. In difficulties, in financial difficulties, will you still follow Christ? Count the cost. Count the cost. What is counting the cost? It's all or nothing. Are you truly ready? It may cost you your popularity. It may cost you your relationships. It may cost you getting a promotion from a job because you're not willing to compromise or cheat your way to get to that position. You have to have a discipline of your mind to abstain from sin, from the attack of the enemy, knowing that there's an enemy out there wanting to kill you and to destroy us. When the power of the enemy, the God of this age, temptation, are you truly ready? Will you still follow him? Even when things, when you're in a position, in a place where things are difficult. Let's go to verse 12 to 14. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually, what? Served to advance the gospel. Can you truly say that? I think that majority of us, if we were ever put in prison for preaching the gospel or something, I think we would have a breakdown. I don't think we'll be able to handle these situations well. But Paul here, he is in prison. He is under house arrest. But in his letter to the Philippian church, he says, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And the results are clear. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. People are actually getting encouraged because of Paul's faith in hardship. People are not encouraged with your faith when things are so easy. When we have so much money in our bank account, not that money is bad. But when things are easy for us, people are not challenged when we don't go out, when we go, when we go out into the unknown. People are challenged by individuals who take on such tasks, who will go in the path of the most resistance, a path that not many will follow. And Paul here is in prison, and he's saying it's become clear that everyone else is seeing that I am innocent, that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. The truth became clear and evident that Paul was innocent, that Paul was in prison, not because he was, not because, not because he was a criminal, but because he was in chains for Christ, because of his loyalty to Christ. Reading verse 13, 14 again, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
due to Paul's courage in prison, people around them are becoming more confident, and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I mean, amazing. This is what it looks like to turn our lemons into lemony. What it means to use the opposition, the obstacle, as an opportunity to further the gospel, to advance the gospel, to live for the gospel. And this is consistent with the heart of God in all throughout scripture, suffering for doing what's right. If you are here today and you are suffering or you, you go to prison because you murder someone, then that's your punishment. That's us paying the price for our crime. But all throughout scripture we see that those who belong in Christ, those who are innocent, you will face suffering. And suffering will come. And it is when, not if, it will. Sometimes it's going to be even more difficult. You know, right now you and I, we are blessed in America because we have the freedom of religion, freedom to worship. You know, we're in a place where we can do things, we could speak about the gospel in public. But have you ever been on a mission field overseas and in areas where its majority are Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, shamanists, different religions? Actually, places where people, Christians, get persecuted for the gospel, where they have to meet in hiding places, they have to pray quietly, secretly, or else they go to prison for life. Persecuted, murdered, martyred for Christ. Majority will not because they will give in. They're afraid of death. Therefore, they, they don't stay with the conviction, with the truth. And they compromise and, and they walk away from the faith. They say, yes, I will worship your God. And it's all throughout the scripture. Suffering for doing good. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 18, it says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever will love life, and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil to do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And this is the key, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are what? You are blessed, blessed. And Paul here, this is exactly what's happening to him. He is suffering for doing what is right. And therefore, God blessed Paul. He is blessed. If you ever find yourself in sticky situations, and you are wrongly accused, and your reputation goes south, and people are spreading lies or gossips. But you know in your heart before God that you did the right thing. Know that you are blessed. If you stood up for the truth, if you stood up for justice, if you did the right thing, you are blessed. The scripture goes on and says, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. 
But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, again, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. The scripture here in 1 Peter 3 is reminding us that if Christ did it, if he suffered for doing good to save humanity from sin, from death, all of eternity in hell, then we too should have that same mindset. It says in the beginning, finally all of you, be like-minded. Have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Key again is in verse 14. Even if you suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23, he says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. What is the sake of the gospel? It's for the purpose of Jesus Christ. If you're living for the purpose of Jesus Christ, expect suffering. Expect trials. Expect people to accuse you and to attack you. For if they are not filled with Christ, the devil will use their mind, will influence them to do evil acts of deeds. But you as a Christian, you as a man of God, you as a woman of God, do not forget that you are filled with Christ. Be like-minded. Have the mind of Christ. Live for the sake of the gospel. Then you will share in its blessings. For Paul, everything he did was for the purpose of Jesus Christ. Whether he was in prison, whether he had plenty, or whether he was in need, no matter what season he was going through, everything was for God, was for Christ. Everything was for the sake of the gospel. Even if I'm wrongly accused, even if I'm in prison, for no absolute reason, I will use that as an opportunity to, to make lemonade. To turn the lemons into the lemonade, to, make, to turn them into opportunities to be a blessing and to be a blessing to others. And we see that God actually used this time, this difficulty time in Paul's life to speak to the Romans and to speak about the gospel. He had a chance to, to become a missionary to them for they saw his life, for they saw who he was and whose he was. They saw Paul's genuine faith and also God used this time, Paul's hardship in this season in his life to write the book of Philippians. Imagine if Paul was not in prison, then what would the letter of Philippians be? I mean, think about this, this precious letter, this letter that Paul is writing personally to the Philippian church where later would be saved over thousands and thousands of years and will end up in the Bible that you have right now, that you're holding, the book of Philippians. 
That's powerful. That's powerful how God used that difficult situation for God to allow this letter to end up in the New Testament for the following generations, for all the generations that come after for them to see this letter and to be encouraged. And that is still applicable to our daily life. I mean, Philippians is one of my favorite books. Powerful book. You have to understand Paul's heart as he's writing this letter and what he was going through in this season. Verse 14, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. When you are faithful in prison, it doesn't just encourage you. It's not just for your benefit. Others will see your act of faith, who you are, and they in turn will praise God. It's like a it's like laughter or yawning, you know, it's contagious. They see the truth. I'm pretty sure if I start yawning, everyone will start yawning. <sighs> when you're faithful in prison, when you're faithful in difficulties, it spreads, it spreads, and people will catch on the truth. There's a quote that says, adversity doesn't build character, but adversity reveals your character. I pray. I mean, right now we are blessed in America, but if anything were to happen and we were in a position or a place where, you know, everything is against us, we have no family, no friends, and really we have, if we're in a place where it's just me and God, that you would have the word of God in your heart. And that you'll be encouraged and you'll you be faithful in your journey, even when everything is against you. You may think people aren't watching, but people are. And in this case, the guards, the people in this palace, they saw Paul. They saw his faithfulness. The palace guard, everyone else, they saw that he was in chains for Christ. They knew who he was. They knew his identity. Can you and I, can we truly say that we have this mentality? We could say right now as we're sitting in a comfortable chair, yes, we do. But who knows? Who knows who we truly are? Who I truly am, unless I am placed in this situation. I pray, I just pray that God, I will be like Paul. That I have the same mindset as he did, the mindset of Christ, that as he looked to Christ even in prison, that God, I would turn the situation of lemons into lemonade. I pray. Anyone could talk big and say, yes, I'll do it. Even Peter, yes, I'll do it. But he, where was he when he was being crucified? Where was he? I pray that we'll be faithful in who we are. Amen? Number two. Am I standing right before God? Am I standing right before God? Not everyone will do good. That's the truth. We are living in a broken world where people are motivated by their own dreams, by their own ego. You and I, 
we're the same. If Christ is not in our life, if you and I, we didn't have a regenerated heart, a new heart, we would be exactly the same. I hear people say, you know, they think about history and war and they talk about, you know, the nation of Japan or like Germany. How can they do such a thing? How can Hitler and how can they be brainwashed by the teachings of socialism and everything and communism and all these different things, these different these ideologies and all these and being brainwashed in that way? But here's the reality. If you and I, if you and I were born again, and again, this is just fiction, but if you and I, we were, we were born again, and we were born in 1939 or 1930, leading up to the war, and we were in an age, and we were living in Germany, and we were living in Japan, we would do the exact same thing. Because we are broken individuals. The only reason why we are the way we are today is because of God's grace and His mercy, and because of the regenerated heart that God has given us. All humans are broken. You must remember that not everyone will be good. But if you are good right now, and if you know in your heart that you are good, and you know, you know that you're not good in a sense where you sin, and you know that you're a sinner, but you seek Christ, you pursue after God, you know that through repentance I, that my sins are forgiven, that I am regenerated, I am sanctified. If you know that you are faithful, you know that not everyone is living in that same conviction and you know in your heart that you are good, then you must continue living faithfully for the gospel and know that not everyone else will be on the same page as you. Not everyone will be good. Not everyone will live for the gospel. But the question is, as a church, are we standing right before God? Not so much what others are doing, the churches around us, what they're doing. But what are we doing? What am I doing in my life? Am I living faithfully in God's word? Stay faithful in the truth of God through the word of God. Let's look at verse 15 to 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul knows who he is, that he is doing good work. He knows the reason why. He knows he is innocent. The former, verse 17 says, preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Can we truly say right now that everyone around us, Christians around us, that they have a mind of Paul? Nope. Only God knows their ambition, their intentions. But Paul here knows the former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely. He's saying, compared to me, no, they're not. Supposing that they could stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. While he's in chains, they're stirring up trouble. They're saying, yes, Paul is in prison because he's in heresy. He's a heretic. They're causing lies. They're stirring up trouble. They're, they're stirring up lies in the community. But Paul's like, you know, what does it matter? He's a gangster. He's like, cares. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Again, he's using people's bad words, the gossips and the lies, accusing him 
of being a heretic. He's using all that to give glory to God. He's saying, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This is the reality. Not everyone will be on the same page as you. Not everyone will make, want to make lemons out of a bitter situation. The scripture warns us of false teachers. You need to worry about yourself. You need to worry about what you're doing. What am I doing? Am I living faithfully for the gospel? And God will take care of the rest. For the truth will eventually show. Your works will show for what it is. You too. Me too. But we need to be faithful in what we have been given. Scripture warns us of false teachers. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is the truth, the truth of God. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You ever pick your ear and you feel the, the itch and it feels so good and it's like, keep going, keep going, until you're bleeding? <laughs> they just want to hear what they want to hear. Eventually, it will destroy and harm your body. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, not the truth. Myths are fairy tales, fake. Second Timothy chapter 4. Acts 20, verse 20 to 30, it says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made your overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, this is Paul speaking, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. It says here, it's scary here. This is even from your own number, even in your own group, in your own family. People will rise, arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So the Bible is very clear about false teachers. First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Matthew 7, 15-16. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, there are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. How will you recognize them? By their fruit. Let's praise God that Christ is preached. But we must find sola scriptura in the local church. As a church right now, if, if, if the word of God is not the main thing, then we are doing something wrong as a church. As small as our church is, it's not about the number again. But if you're faithful to the word of God, the sola scriptura, as a local church in our community, then we are giving glory to God, and God is pleased with who we are. What others are doing is what others are doing. 
and God will take care of the rest. For the truth will eventually reveal itself. We cannot stay and grow in a ministry that compromises with God's word. It's like remaining in a prosperity gospel church for 20 years. Now, I'm not for, uh, you know, I'm not going to give names, but I'm not for certain churches where it's all about prosperity. You know, they have all this money in, in the state where they had the, 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 the flood, and I remember the church, they actually closed the gate and didn't allow them, like people, the following neighbors, when their houses were, you know, like was underwater, and they got a lot of heat from that. And as a church, you know, if, if we're not careful and, and, and if we're remaining in a church where it's about prosperity, 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 and there's many different types of different churches. There's prosperity, there's the supernatural, the whole miracle thing, and there's all different types of church, different denominations. But if you know and you learn the truth of the gospel and you learn theology and you learn the truth of, the, of God's word, but yet you still decide to remain in that church for 20 years. And again, I'm not, I'm going to be very careful in how I say this. Um, I don't think everyone who goes to those churches are fake. There is always a church where it's good for the beginning phase, for beginning Christians, right? For baby food, right? You can't expect the baby to eat, eat steak, right, right away. You have to start slowly, little by little. But as you are growing, 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 and then as you get older, you cannot grow. If you're getting fed the same thing, the prosperity, and the same thing over and over again, you'll know in your heart, you'll know in your conviction, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that this is not the place where I'm called to grow. And that's where you move. And you find a local church that is filled with, that is grounded in sola scriptura, of God's word. We must be faithful in the word of God. So for those who know, you are responsible to finding a church that is biblically grounded. Brothers and sisters who are not just listeners of God's word, but doers of God's word. Pastors, for there's really in a sense where, I don't say this in a way where pastors are above all calling, but to be a pastor is such a special calling. I don't know if you guys understand that. There is no higher calling. When I say a higher calling, there is no, it, it's, a, it's a difficult path of sacrifice. And it's not just about what I show on the pulpit, but it's what I do in private. It's my accountability before God and who, how God sees me. And it's, very, it's a very difficult path that not everyone can just casually go and take on that role. It's a calling that you receive, and it's a call that you call to follow for the rest of your life. It's a very difficult path. But even as pastors, when you find pastors who are compromising and living, they have one foot here and they have one foot on the world. You know, pastors who are there as a career, they say, oh, I don't do that because I'm only here part-time. Or one of their kids gives them away, say, my daddy plays games all night. We're using the budget in the wrong way. We need to be faithful 
and where God has called us to be. And that's not just for pastors, but for every Christian. So now that you know, now that you know you're responsible in finding a church that is biblically grounded, not just hearers of God's word, wanting to hear what their itching ears want to hear, but doers of God's word. You need to be an individual, a member, that edifies the body, not hinders. You cannot be someone who destroys and divides the church by spreading gossip here, lying here, making my team and that team. You are called to edify the body of Christ, the church. Verse 19 to 21. For I know that through your prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So for to me, Paul is talking about himself, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Take a look at verse 20 again. We're going to read it one more time again. And I want us to have a full understanding what Paul is talking about here. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying there's people around me, they have false motives. They don't do it out of love. They don't do it for the defense of the gospel. They, they're actually around me, they're preaching out of selfish ambition. That They're not preaching with sincere hearts, with, from the f- sincere relationship from Christ. They care about money. They care they're only there for, because it's a career, it's a job for them. To say, oh, I'm just a part-time, I don't do certain things. There is no such thing as a part-time pastor. That's what I mean. There is no higher calling. It's all or nothing. Around me, they're causing trouble. They're stirring up trouble for me while I'm in chains. I'm in prison. They're stirring up lies, spreading things. But Paul's like, what does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter? As long as I, I will in no way be ashamed. And will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So the question is, going back to point number two, am I standing right before God? Yes, we should be concerned, and we should know what's happening in our community, in the local churches. But we cannot get lost in them. For God will eventually judge and we will all stand before God and God will judge us according to our work. But the question is, am I? Can you truly say like Paul, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can you truly say, I will in no way be ashamed. Do you you truly live the life, the words that you speak in your private life? That's character. Reputation is who people think you are. What what they think you are. But character is who you are, no matter who is around. Paul says, I will in no way be ashamed. 
but will have sufficient courage to know that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body. He's saying whether I'm here, in prison, whether in death, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Pretty much Paul is saying no matter what, who cares? It's for Christ. I die is for Christ. To live is Christ and to die is Christ. Everything is Christ. Everything is for Christ. Last point, point number three. Not just dying for Christ, but living for Christ. Not just dying for Christ, but living for Christ. I remember when I was young, and I'm talking about my teenage years, <clears throat> in my church, there were some guys, uh, you know, they were very... Uh, zeal for God and you know they were very passionate to the point where it was a little scary because for me I wasn't uh, fully devoted there was a season where I I walked away and I took a different path and it, it I did this detour where God brought me back but but they were doing push-up contests one time I'm like push-up contests like my thing you know of course I'm gonna win and then we're doing it and um there's this one kid who's like skinny and I was like, what's going on? Like, this guy just keeps going. And I'm like, what? And then I, like, I had to like, go to like, level two. I'm like, all right, I guess. And then eventually it would end up with just a few number of people. So push-up contest is either one, 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 one. And then by that time, you're just holding. You have to hold. And then second round comes, two, 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 three, 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 four, 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 four. The number got so high. And like literally, they had a modern mentality. They're like, think of it like you're dying for Christ. Like... You imagine like you're in prison, you're going to be killed, like, like push through. And they had this mentality, like they were all gung-ho about dying for Christ, dying for Christ, dying for Christ, die for God. And they were reading the book, Jesus Free. It has all the stories of martyrs, like, yeah, die for him, die for him. They're like dying. For me, I'm just like, I'm just trying to win, you know. <laughs> and I'm not like thinking that deep. But I think the problem is a lot of times we focus too much on the death, but we forget about living. Living for Christ, dying for Christ, no matter what you do, you do it for Christ. But right now, while you're alive, you live for him. When death comes, that time will come, and that will come to all. And at that moment, we'll be ready. But right now, you are alive. Do not take this life that you have, the breath that you have today, right now, for granted. You know, I remember when Josh shared the story of Kobe Bryant last Sunday. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Because we just thought that was someone, you know, we've seen growing up. And we thought he'd just be forever. He was young, 41. And, you know, like he's just getting his life started. And, you know, he's doing things outside of basketball. And I remember when Josh told me, I don't know Josh if you remember, but I think this, I mean, Josh even said it to me too, that, that this death is going to hit all of us differently. And, and I agree. Because we are realizing that no matter how much money we have in the bank account, no matter how successful or the career that we had, all the things that we have built for ourselves, instant, all gone. All gone. And the legacy is, it's not just how we died, but it's how we lived. Are you living for Christ right now? Even in death, Christ, even in life, gain in Christ, in Christ.
Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Verse 22 to 26, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. He's talking about dying or living. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Even in death, even in life, for Christ. Death is not up to you. Suicide, that's not somewhere we should not touch. Death comes according to God's timing. Who are we to take our life into our own, own hands, take our destiny, end our life in the timing that we want to end? We look to God in life, no matter how difficult, no matter how depressed or how down, and I say this very carefully, with suicide numbers rising in every nation, people not having identity and hope, hopeless beyond hopelessness, they think that the end is better. But may we as Christians never allow our current situation, no matter how difficult, to be our end. The cave of Adullam is not your end. In Christ, there's always hope. In Christ, there's always more work that needs to be done. It's in his timing, and it's God's will. It's for him. I'm ending with the story. I'm going to ask the priest to come up. This is from Bearing Witness, Stories of Martyrdom and Costly Discipleship. It's a story on Anishuk's personal account of her faith during the Japanese occupation in World War II. And in this story, beginning with the Japan-Korea Treaty, it says, of 1876, Japan began integrating Korea into its empire. In 1910, Japan officially annexed Korea, meaning they conquered Korea, ending the ancient Joseon dynasty. This had a profound impact on all aspects of Korean life, including religion. Japanese authorities demolished 85% of the buildings of the historic Gyeongbokgung compound in Korea's capital, in Seoul, including the primary palace that had for centuries been a national symbol. The Japanese general government building was constructed in its place. Japanese Shinto-style golden horrors were added near the roof of the Sunlai Moon, one of the eight gates on the wall surrounding Seoul, turning a symbol of Korean pride into a quasi-Japanese monument. During the 1930s, the Japanese attempted to solidify Korean loyalty by requiring all Korean citizens to participate in state Shinto worship practices. On the first of each month, the Japanese forces Koreans to gather around a shrine of Japanese, J Japan's sun goddess and bow down and worship. 
This was an official. This was an especially difficult command for the students and faculty of the Christian school where Anisuk taught music. When the girls were summoned to gather in the playground for the monthly trek to the Japanese shrine, many hid in classrooms and restrooms, hoping to avoid worshiping at the shrine. But it was no use. The principal commanded teachers to find the teacher to find to find the children and bring them out. As Isuk was, teachers moved from room to room collecting students. She was filled with sadness. She wanted to cry but could not. She closed the door, fell on her knees, and silently prayed to Jesus. She heard a knocking. Miss An, are you there? It was the principal's voice muffled through the closed door. She had come to escort Isuk to the shrine. The music teacher opened the door to face the superior. Today is the first of the month, the principal said. We have to make the girls up the mountain to the shrine. Remember, Isuk, the music teacher, stood silently, staring in defiance. You are not the only believer," said the principal. "This is a Christian school. Most of the pupils are Christians. So are all the other teachers. I too am a Christian. Think about it, Mason. Is there any believer in Christ who wants to bow to a heathen?" God, heathen gods. We all hate to do such a thing, but we Christians are being persecuted by a power too ruthless to stand against. Unless we worship at the Japanese shrine, they will close the school. I knew that the pressure. Isuk knew that the pressure to conform was great. Anyone whom the Japanese authorities found unwilling to bow before their shrines was branded a traitor. They were tortured. Christians across Korea had died because they would not give up their faith. Isuk pitied her principal, who was responsible for the welfare of the students, the teachers, and the school itself. If anyone did not show up to worship, all would be put in danger. It was a heavy load to bear. Still, Isuk could not see how her superior could cast aside the Lord she claimed to follow. The music teacher didn't budge. You can see what great trouble you will cause the school if you fail to cooperate. The principal said, a mixture of fear and hatred in her voice and anger. But you don't seem to care about that. You are only thinking of yourself. Finally, Isuk answered, "If you want to go to the mountain, I will. If you want me to go to the mountain, I will." The principal led her out of the classroom and down the stairs toward the playground, and you will worship at the shrine, Miss An, right? The music teacher didn't answer. As she walked past the students, she thought she could see their faces turn to dismay. Even Miss An is going. One girl said, "Now God will surely turn away from us." Another said, "A principal has such power. She has made Miss An go to the shrine. All Yusuf could do was pray. Oh Lord, she prayed. I am so weak, but I am your sheep, so I must obey and follow you, Lord. Watch over me." The students and teachers started up the mountain. They fell in line with a large crowd gathering before the Japanese shrine. Isuk could hear; she could feel her heart beating. Voice called out, "Attention!" And the gathered Koreans straightened their backs. Then the voice said, "Our profoundest bow to Amaterasu Amikami, which means the sun goddess." Everyone gathered before the shrine, bent their upper bodies in a deep, uniform bow. All but one. All but one. 
Izuk stood straight up, upright, her face tilted toward the sky. A moment before she had been filled with guilt and fear, now she was overcome by, by a feeling of calm inside her head. A voice told her, you have fulfilled your responsibility. She heard a murmur pass through the crowd as those bowed around her realized she had not joined them. Walking away from the shrine, she thought, I am dead. Isuk died today in Mount Namzan. She did not fear death, but the thought of torture caused her to shudder. Seeking safety, she fled, but after months in hiding in March 1939, Isuk decided to go to Tokyo to appeal to the Japanese authorities for the persecuted Christians of Korea. She was promptly arrested and spent the next six years in prison. Her disobedience was punished severely, but in the filth and brutality of prison, she shared the gospel with her fellow prisoners. Later she said, I cannot explain how such a weak woman as I was given such wonderful blessings during times of fear and suffering. The Japanese administration of Korea ended in 1945. When Japan was defeated at the end of World War II, the Japanese shrines were burned. In 1940, 34 Christians, including Anisuk, had entered the Pyongyang prison. On August 17, 1945, when they were finally released, only 14 remained alive, and one of them was Anisuk. As the prisoners made their way out, a sympathetic prison guard shouted, Ladies and gentlemen, these are the ones who for six long years refused to worship Japanese gods. They fought against severe torture, hunger, and cold, and have won out without bowing their heads to the idol worship of Japan. Today, they are the champions of the faith. They gathered, the crowd gathered, greeted the prisoners as heroes, shouting, praise the name of Jesus, and singing joyously. And the song was, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal theodom, and crown him Lord of all, Lord of all. Let us remember today to, listen, to live the gospel at all times. I want to invite you right now to close your eyes with me. Take a moment right now to reflect upon the word. What does it mean to live the gospel at all times? Number one, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. There are opportunities for you to advance the gospel. Remember, everything is for the gospel. There's nothing greater, no greater honor than this. Number two, Am I standing right before God? Know that even in your region right now, in our church, the church is around, and I cannot speak, and I'm not here in a position of judging, but do not worry about what others are doing. Don't get lost in it, for not everyone will be good, will do good, will have the heart of Christ. But as a church, right now, as our church, as Deep Roots Church, the question is, are we standing right before God? 
Do we really have the confidence and courage as Paul did? That I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Number three, not just dying for Christ, but living for Christ. Ani Yusuk, when she didn't bow to the sun goddess, she knew, knowing that that would be the cost, the cost of her life. She didn't go in thinking that she'll be, she'll somehow survive. Even when she goes to prison, she'll somehow survive. She knew going in with the decision that she made, she knew that it was for death. But even in life, she lived for Christ. So even in life, even in death, we live for Him. We give God all the glory and the glory that He deserves. If I have to go on living in the body, this will mean more fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know why. I am torn between the two because I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Who here doesn't want to be in heaven with God? But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, that I live. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that throughout my being with you again, your boasting Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And the testimony of Anisuk at the end, at the end, when she was released from prison, she didn't know that the war was going to end. She didn't know that her time in prison would end. Think about the number, the people that she studied in prison. And the number came down to number 14. Who would have thought that she would be one of the ones to survive? Life is a mystery, my brothers and my sisters. Life is such a mystery. For we do not know what will happen tomorrow, what will happen in five years. But rest assured, be at peace right now in your present, for God is with you. Be faithful now in your present with your current responsibilities, with where God has placed you. Be faithful, and God will take care of the rest. Even in prison, worship Him. Even in death, look to Christ. Even when we're about to take our final breath here on this earth, Worship Him. Even in your youth, when you think that you will live forever, worship Him. Do not waste your years. Life is too short for you to live for yourself. Life is too precious for you to end your life according to your timing. Never take matter, your destiny into your own hands. Even when you're at your highest peak, everything will be destroyed. But if you're in God, even when you're in your highest peak and you're brought low to the lowest of lows, you have hope. Look to Christ. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust your talents. Don't trust in your abilities. Don't trust in your savings, the money or the relationships that you have. Look to Christ. That even in death, God, I will follow you. Even in life, I will follow you. 
Even in all things, I will follow you. Even when I'm rich, I will follow you. Even when I'm poor, I will follow you. Even when I have nothing, I will follow you. It's all for you and for your kingdom and for your glory, and that's it, God. Nothing more, nothing less. And I'll be faithful to you in my journey with you, oh God. Can we right now come together as a church? Can we just lift up our voices? This is between you and God, and as a church, let's pray together. Let's follow Him, even in death, in life, let's follow Him. Can we commit our life, our heart back to Him? Tell Him, Jesus, I will follow you. No matter what I am, what I'm going through, I will follow you. No matter what season, I will follow you. Can we declare our praises, our voices to Him? Let's pray together. So that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body Whether by life or by death For to me to live is Christ And to die is gain I'll say it again For to me to live is Christ And to die is gain If I'm to go on living in the body This will mean fruitful labor for me Yet what shall I choose? I do not know 
I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Man and woman of God, do not quit. Do not give up. For your journey is not over yet. It is not finished. Look to him in life. Live for Christ. In death, we die in Christ. And we have eternity with him. So there is no lose-lose situation, everyone. Even in life, even in death, we gain Christ. And we have Christ. Amen? Through him, we have hope. Through him, we have hope for all of eternity. Jesus, thank you for the hope that we have. We look to you, Jesus, for you are good. Thank you for teaching us of your truth through the lessons that we are learning through the Philippian series. Lord, I pray, God, we just not hear these words, but Lord, let us apply and to live, to live the gospel for your kingdom and for your glory. We love you. Father, whether in prison, whether we are back in our home family situation, even when situation doesn't change, even when we're faced with sickness or a loved one passes away, even if we're the only one standing, worshiping with our hands lifted high, even if I'm the only one here worshiping you, God, and even if there's no support, even if I have just your word in my heart, in a place, God, where I am by myself, help me to have the faith and the courage to lift up my hands and worship and to live according to your promise, according to the love and the relationship that I have in Christ. God, whether I live for five years or ten years, whether if I have one year left, no matter where I am, oh Lord, even in death, God, I worship you. Help us to be men and women of God who are not still feeding on milk as infants, tossed back and forth by the waves. That when trials come, when storms come, we're going back to back zero. And we have to be reminded of the basics over and over again. We are doing the cycle that the ex ex in Exodus that the Israelites did in the desert. But Lord, help us to be men and women of God who truly grow, who feed ourselves, who are fed by the word of God that we are mature and complete, growing, not just growing in our knowledge, but in depth in our relationship with you, that we grow in depth and deeper in our relationship with you, O oh God. That we will never choose a relationship over you. That we will never choose a career over you. That we will not compromise the integrity and the character of who you have called us to be for the sake of my own blessing. 
Help us not to lose my soul in the pursuit of these worldly dreams. But help me to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. To know that, God, everything else will be given and added as extra blessings, oh God. But whether you slay me, whether you give or you take away, oh God, I lift up my hands and worship. You are good in all seasons because, God, you are good. There's no one more holy and just and loving and patient as you. If I were to die tonight in my bed, God, you are just. You are just in doing so. Father, if you are a God of justice, all of us, we should not be here at this moment. But through the grace, through your Son, Jesus Christ, through your love for us, you came and you lived to die and to take on our sin. Father, for that, we are eternally grateful. There's no greater blessing. There's no greater truth than the truth of the cross, the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed for me so that I can have life and life to the full. For these young men and women here, I pray, God, that they will learn to put things in perspective. That life is not about your career, it's not about your job, but it's about Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ. Die is gain. We look to you, God. Thank you for reminding us of your truth once again. We give all glory to you. We love you, Lord. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen.